Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Jehocraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Live Radio, 103.9 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Friday evening, where we are set to continue our exploration into the Catholic faith. This Friday is about, well, what I've been thinking about over this past week. And in this past week, my mind has been focusing in on those all-important words that come to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verse 51, where we read, Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. This, no doubt, is what Lent is all about, right? Setting our focus on what takes place in Jerusalem. And this is what Jesus does by turning his face and looking towards Jerusalem. You know, every morning I wake up to a Thomas Kincaid painting that hangs above my dresser. The stunning work of art is titled A Prayer for Peace. In this masterpiece, Jesus stands on rocky heights above Jerusalem with his face kind of drawn downward to the right, taking the posture of of one who is contemplating. In the mind and heart of Kincaid, Jesus, or as as he put it, the Christ-like figure, is praying with such fervor and faith that he is absorbing the warm glow of the moonlight. The moon is, is in the backdrop, and it appears in the painting that he's absorbing the light, and that that light is wrapping the walled city in a spiritual blanket of serenity. And it is... In the light of this great painting that I have found myself often reflecting on the life of Christ and what must have changed when he, again, set his face towards Jerusalem. For Christ, Jerusalem was the earthly end that was necessary to reveal his heavenly divinity. As I look into the painting and see Christ's face drawn downward to the right, I cannot help but wonder what was being communicated in the face of Christ as he set his face towards Jerusalem. You know, my friends, the face is more than the front of the human head, but the organ of revealing, the faculty that allows us to know something about another. We could say that the face is intimate, a way we come to know others, huh? By its various movements and changes, the face becomes an outward sign of inward thoughts and feelings. This is why they say 90% of all communication is unspoken. We see with our eyes and can discern signs of, of what someone might be experiencing. And so it is in this context of theology of the body, that the study of the body as it relates to how it reveals God, that we can then speak to a sacramentality to the body. What am I talking about? Well, the sacramentality that takes place when tears reveal sadness, when laughter reveals joy, when, when red cheeks reveal embarrassment, or when the calm, relaxed face 
reveals a certain interior peace. In this, we could say there is a sacramentality to the face, as John Paul II would like to speak to it. So when Jesus himself set his face towards Jerusalem, maybe we ought to ask the question, what would have one seen? The Greek, interestingly enough, tells us that his face revealed determination. I love that, determination. So Christ had this look of determination. But what does that mean in the spiritual life? Well, in the face of Christ, holiness had a new look, resolve. And discipleship had a new path, Jerusalem. This single-mindedness that led Christ to Jerusalem, no doubt was the natural outgrowth of his harmonious relationship with God the Father. In other words, we could say Christ's determined resolve was constant with what lies at the heart of the inner life of God, peace. And no doubt, when you look upon Thomas Kincaid's work, (laughs) A Prayer for Peace, this is what you see. In Kincaid's artwork, the face of Christ reveals determination, resolve, holiness, all of that, but also tranquility. Tranquility in the pose of one who is meditative. In the words of Kincaid himself, he says, the image is a profound reminder that through fervent prayer, each of us might find peace for our soul first and perhaps for our world as well. And so it is, my friends. We have this call to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that that our face might communicate determination, resolve, yes, but also that same calmness that Christ possessed and that Kincaid wished to capture in his peace. That same spiritual poise that was always found on the face of Christ. Let the sacramentality of our face bring the warmth and presence of God to all those we meet in our daily encounters. Now, all that being said, out from this reflection on Kincaid's artwork and the importance of the sacramentality of the face and the peace we long for, I wish to pose to you a question. What kind of importance can we then place on contemplating the holy face of Christ? My musing this evening comes to you out from my own contemplation of a particular image, right? What does contemplation mean? Contemplation means, quite simply, to behold, to see. In the ancient world, it was the same as to study or to seek. The Latin contemplation means the act of looking at. Well, (laughs) the act of looking at what? But that which is sacred, right? In fact, The Latin root for contemplation is templum, which literally means sacred, right? This is where we get the word temple. So contemplation means the act of looking at that which is sacred to behold, which in its deeper sense, my friends, is to seek. I wasn't just looking at Kincaid's piece that I was describing earlier. I I was looking into it, through it. 
looking for the third and fourth dimensions beyond it, huh? Looking for, seeking for, probing its depths. This is what contemplation does. This is what contemplation is. So contemplation is to peer into the sacred. What is more sacred than peering, gazing into the holy face of Jesus? To gaze into the eyes of Jesus, my friends, is to look into the divine life of God, is really to discover the greater meaning of who God is. And no doubt asking the question, you know, to Jesus, because any time you enter into contemplation, it, it is an intimate conversation with the one you are beholding, in this case, again, Jesus. So we ask the question to Jesus, what is the meaning of your sacrificial love? At least this is the question that jumps out of my mind and heart when I begin to contemplate the holy face of Jesus. Incidentally, my friends, it was the great Saint Therese Lisieux who had a devotion to the holy face. She would often speak of losing herself in contemplation only to be found in the holy face of Christ. I love that. Only to be found in the holy face of Christ, that only by virtue of contemplating the holy face of Jesus, uh, the holy face of Jesus, did she discover who she was, the better version of who she was called to be. So, my friends, contemplative prayer is about discovering God's love by gazing into his eyes that reveal his extraordinary love, that his eyes might pierce our own heart. This is the power of the image of the most sacred heart. Um, The image is such that the eyes have a way of following you. It really pierces you when you behold the sacred heart and look into his eyes, his holy eyes. In other words, we are called to allow the gaze of Jesus to penetrate our heart and allow his piercing look to purify our humanity and and at once <clears throat> excuse me at once intensify our existence to look into Jesus's eyes is to begin to tap into the deep truths of his heart which in turn of course reveals the depths of our own heart and the potential that lies therein robert frost once said that the eyes are but windows into a man's soul I've always loved that. Gaze into the eyes of Jesus. Peer into the windows that give us access to his merciful love. This merciful love that reveals that enough is never enough until it gives everything. You've heard me talk about this before, and this is a amusing of, of Peter Crafts. You know, the question has been posed. Could Christ have saved the world with a drop of his own blood? On one hand, we could say, yes, why not? He is God and he could do whatever he wants to do. Now we know he didn't, but why? Why is the question? Well, if there are five and a half to six quarts of blood in the human body, then Christ himself could could give no less than five and a half to six quarts of human blood. In other words, Christian love teaches that Enough is never enough until it gives everything. I know these words can be quite daunting, but that is the Christian standard. 
the norm by which our love is to be measured against. And again, bring this back into the larger motif of our musing this evening, (laughs) the kind of love we are made to contemplate as we look into his eyes, as we look into the sacramentality of God's face. Now, this kind of unconditional love we speak of means that no matter how great our greatest achievements are or, or how bad our worst moments are, God will never abandon us because God meets us exactly how he made us and walks with us exactly as he is. He calls us to constant repentance and, and to share in the very love that we have received, the love that is not conditioned to anything. You know, conventional wisdom states the wisdom of the world. To give something away is to lose something. Unconventional wisdom states, that is God's wisdom, to give something away is to gain something. Hmm? We let go so as to receive. Unbind ourselves to one thing so as to be bound by God. Love, as taught by St. Thomas Aquinas, is to will the good of the other because to will the good of the other is to love as God loves. Again, there is not an iota of self-interestedness in God. Among other things, this includes not allowing another person's weaknesses to dictate how we love. I think that really gets most of us, if not all of us. Christ teaches us that love is to enter into the misery of another and fill their darkness with the light of Christ, the light of love. So as we read, teach, and pray about how to better live, live out this summit of all virtue, love, let us be mindful that imitation of God's love is is never rationed out or portioned, but lavished and, and poured out as a sharing in God's own life. Amen? Amen. Now, As we wrap up our time together this 28th day in February, year of our Lord, 2020, I have an announcement to make. The whole Kraft family is uh, packing their bags in California and moving to Ohio. Uh, By the grace of God, I will continue my work for the church, but in a different capacity, a capacity that is yet to be determined, as I am still discerning between Uh, different offers before me. But I do know Ohio is the destination as we will be moving closer to my wife's family. I will make an announcement on my website once I decide on my job and and what that means ultimately for Seeds Seeds of Truth Ministries. But what I do know is this, at the end of this March, Seeds of Truth Radio will officially hold its last broadcast. You know, my friends, we started in what? December of 06? And here we are over, over 13 years later. No doubt, while I will miss this, I, I do know uh, that I am confident and joyful that whatever the, the Lord calls me to next will bring the same joy I have received by bringing the faith to you. As I say all of that, I do have one more month with you, and if you have any last burning questions you would like for me to respond to, please send them to J H O L L jmj at yahoo.com, or just go to my website, joholcraft.org, hit the contact link there, and send your question on its way. Amen? Amen. All right, let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you.